Hello, sweet loves, and welcome to season three, episode four of Human Being to Whole Being, the podcast, with me, Rachel Crookshank. And today I am so unbelievably honoured to be welcoming Rebecca Wilson. Rebecca is a very good friend of mine. We have journeyed through so much together, through so much joy, through so much pain, through everything in between. And it is one of the most nourishing relationships I have in my life, actually, my relationship with Rebecca. She sees me, she meets me, she understands me, she witnesses me on such a deep level. And it's confronting, you know, having a relationship like that, having a friendship like that, where you are seen so clearly. It's like so many of our wounds and our beliefs and our patterns instantly dissolved. And that is a joyful thing, but it also comes with a lot, comes with a lot to navigate. And yet there is this space in our friendship where we meet that and open vulnerably and honestly. And she has helped me see so many things in my world so clearly. So as I say, it is the biggest honor to have Rebecca with us today speaking all around attachments, around wounds, around somatic energy through the nervous system and how we can really transform and transmute wounds and pain and beliefs and go through this journey of unlocking our most infinite potential, not through the mind but through the body how we can find true safety in our world in order to create the very best life that we want, the life that we dream of, but the life that sometimes feels so far away. And what we discuss in this episode is why it may feel so far away, how we may be blocking it subconsciously, and what we can do to really open and expand and create space and availability for everything that we want to invite in. I hope you enjoy the episode. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. And Rebecca, thank you. Hello, hello, dear listeners. Welcome and welcome to my good friend, Rebecca Wilson. Hi. (laughs) So good to be together. How are you? Yeah, I am, you know, in life and it's many expressions and ways in which it arrives for us at this time but overall I feel yeah really rooted in in where I'm at Mm. there has been so many changes for the entire world in the last three years let's say and I think it feels really interesting that we're recording this today because this morning I messaged you and I was like, how are you? Because I'm in a wild moment of feeling and you was, your response was basically exactly the same, but it feels really potent to be recording this today because I think often we shy away from the intensity or shy away from showing up radically vulnerably authentically as ourselves because it can be messy and we might say the wrong words or we might be feeling something and we express it in a certain way but I feel to be here today recording this is so important because this is where we're at and like you say we're in life 
So what what is that looking like for you at the moment? How is it maybe maybe I should say how is it feeling? Yeah, um, I mean it was super interesting. Went from a walk this morning and I was just tuning into the day and really feeling you and mm. obviously we're very deeply connected. I was like, oh, are we doing the podcast today? I don't know what's happening. There's a vibe. Then I was like, well, I'll just turn that question inwards. Like, do I, you know, feel the yes? And I was like, oh, it's a, it's a neutral state, but that's that's sometimes a good state to choose from, right? Um, and then I thought, yeah, everything's kind of like a little bit wish-washy, new moon energy, a little new beginning arrived, don't really know what we're going to talk about, we hadn't really discussed it, it's a bit, can it be a bit messy, and it was like, oh, well, that's exactly what to bring into it, and we don't know what will arrive until we're in the moment, right, Mm -hmm. and we have all these preconceived ideas of how life will unfold, but we don't know, Mm. it just happens, like anything can happen in the blink of an eye, um, in the most expansive way and in you know in the most pain stricken way and everything in between um, and that's really what being in life is it's just like here we are in life feeling it all whatever all of it is to our you know to our capacity to what is available for us feeling the waves and, and truly living in life and <laughs> that is the experience of of being human and yeah, more and more I'm diving deep into that. That's what it looks and feels like for me at the moment, life, like living in my in my humanness. And um, yeah, in connection with others, we find so much of ourselves. And that is, yeah, that's super powerful and very much has been lost because of the times that we've been living in and the disconnection that's been created. And then the the feelings around that, like don't want to go out, scared to go out, who do we connect with, are we allowed to do this, and all of those things, and it's, I, I see so much in a lot of people that I work with, it's really pulled people back into this insular state of being, and this closed down, um, disconnected from self and other, mm-hmm. uh, that isn't really being in life, that is, we're alive and we're existing but we're not truly in the living experience of our humanness there I feel as if both of us are in this unraveling of our truest essence and it feels for me and and for anyone who doesn't know Rebecca and I are very close friends and you've been on the podcast before and we've you know had so many discussions and I think we really meet each other in this in this really beautiful space where I feel so seen and so held and so met by you and your energy, which is so supportive for me. But it feels like we've both been on this journey of unraveling our truest essence and our truest self. And possibly everyone has been with with um, with COVID and with the changes that that's brought and the time and the space and the reevaluation, maybe. I think I'd love to tap into that kind of desire that we have as humans to close down to shut down to to protect ourselves really you know it often it can feel especially if you're a deeply feeling person if you're an empath if you're sensitive to your own energies to the world's energies to other people's energies when life can get too much either through pain or like emotions that we might see as bad or 
possibly also when things start to get really good, there's this like, for me anyway, so subtle, so self um, so subconscious reflex where I just feel like I want to close down. I'd love to, to speak about that, maybe from your own experience or what you're seeing with clients. Why is that that we do that? How can we navigate out of that? How do we be in that space where life feels so intense, like it does for us both at the moment, and yet we're here recording and speaking a truth when every cell of my body is like, get into bed, pull the duvet over your head and stay there for like 48 hours. Like, how do we navigate that? Mm, yeah. I mean, it's interesting to talk into the, the piece around like we desire to close down. Mm. Um, and it, that is a primal desire or um, a primitive need almost that we have conceived or being coded with through our childhood experiences underneath all of that my understanding is that you know as humans our deepest desire is for connection but depending on our childhood experiences our formative years our relationship with our you know caregivers our parents or our, our primary caregivers and how that formed us what we've learned about relating and relationships and connecting with others we begin to form attachment styles if we will mm. um, and our nervous system is carrying this these imprints and feelings and from the experiences that we have or that we didn't have and deeper than that we're carrying the imprint of the experience experiences that happened and how they were or were not held because mm. life is the experience right life is the pain the trauma you know however loaded that word is but the the upsets that happen um the pain is you know you argued with your friends at school and you fell out and then you felt like you know nobody liked you and you're going to have no friends and you go home and tell your parents and how that is held sets an imprint in the nervous system if it's you know your feelings are welcome your feelings are safe tell me about that darling or if it's you know I don't know that's not really important get on with your homework now and these are very fleeting moments and we can sometimes understand when we've had huge trauma in our lives impact trauma lost somebody that we love uh, especially in those younger years because we're like oh yeah this thing happened no wonder I've got this thing to unravel but there's these deeper bits that are like raveled within us um, that we may not even consciously remember now as adults because they're just like, just touch us and here, there and everywhere, but they're there. And that is what leads the nervous system to later on in life, choose its pattern. Is this safe? I don't feel safe. I will withdraw hide push away all forms of connection because the only sense of safety i have is in shutting down playing dead uh, going numb uh, and being disconnected from anyone so i don't have to feel the pain of possibly being rejected for searching for connection because that's all underneath it underneath that kind of patterning and then there's like um there's disconnection that happens and then like more of an anxious style will like fight until its last breath for connection. It's like 
I'm here to connect. I'm not going anywhere. Please talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. And, and, and there's these different ranges that we have in our, our nervous system. And all of it is from a state of desiring to connect, but feeling unsafe in the environment. Mm. So, and that might also be with connecting with self, right? Connecting with what you're feeling inside, like, oh, there's a wave of grief or, oh my gosh, I'm in so much rage or anger right now. No, ooh, ooh, don't want to feel that. So I'll go numb and I disconnect from self or I disembody and kind of go somewhere else and um, or freeze or keep myself busy with doing all the things like that didn't really need to do in, but we just busy ourselves or busying ourselves with other people. So we don't have to sit and be with our own experiences. But it also happens in in connection to other as well. Um, and it's all formed in in relationship and you know relationship is everything mm -hmm. so at the moment you know working with lots of different women in lots of different ways and how this continually shows up in relationships how it continually it's showing up for women in their business and in their creation because it's a relationship to themselves the visibility you know showing themselves to the world and then needing to like shut down the phone and not look at Instagram for five days because they've got this vulnerability hangover or this fear that they've said something on the internet and what will everybody think or anxiously attached to checking the phone every five minutes to see if some notifications come through, what somebody said about that. These are all impulses that happen from our nervous system that are imprinted from our formative years. Yeah. So it feels to me like the soul, the, the, our truest essence at the deepest part of us, that part of us wants to connect at any means possible. It will go out on a limb. It will take giant leaps. It will do things that don't make sense to find connection or be in relation with the world, whether that's another person or, or a thing or whatever it might be. And then is it then sort of like the ego then comes on top because it has deemed something as being unsafe and it ultimately just wants to keep us safe and protect us is is it do you think it's as easy as to say it's kind of the soul versus the ego or the higher self versus the ego or is it is it more complex than that um you know for me like the ego gets a really bad rap mm. and gets brought into a lot of conversations right I like to think of the ego as the self-protector yeah the word ego itself is like oh you're so in your ego or your ego so big or like just get rid of the ego and we don't recognize the wisdom in it so I don't really like attune to to that language in I would see more like the protection mechanisms that have been put in place that we've adopted we've conceived we've created ourselves that um make us feel safe whatever that that and that feeling of not being safe mm. it doesn't come as like whoa I don't feel safe like when I've gone into those moments of self-protection and self-preservation which I navigate very differently now but I've seen it when when I look back I can see it so clearly in the past this this desire to step back and for other people listening you know you might have a desire to leave a relationship you might have a desire to leave a job you might have a desire to um, leave a commitment that you've made you might have a desire to suddenly just go on holiday or to move house like this kind of fleeting or also just like 
getting into bed or um, distraction, like you said, I think distraction with, with television, with food, with mm. alcohol, with drugs, with over-socialization, this, this need to be somewhere else other than where we're at is a response to not feeling safe. But I can say only really from my own experience, it, it doesn't come as, oh, I don't feel safe right now and therefore. So how can we start to navigate for ourselves because it's going to be different for everyone right and it's going to be a different feeling in the body how would you um suggest for someone to navigate that experience of understanding i suppose it is understanding the nervous system understanding when we feel safe and also understanding when we don't feel safe and within that then where there's a desire to escape how can people start to tune into their own like bodies clues and and um like almost like notification system yeah, so it's you know everyone has their own unique set of triggers, and we can generally sense that in the body. Um, it will rise up as what might be labelled as anxiety or worry, or uh, feel like you're disassociating or leaving your body. Um, other forms, you know, it can show up as depression, which is more of like a fawn part of the nervous system or a withdrawal or you feel like you're in the room but you're not really there um somatically it may show up as like a tremor in the body you might get really hot your hands might sweat there might be a lump in the throat uh, some emotion rising the heart beating fast a feeling of like feeling really cold um dysregulated ultimately we're out of regulation with our our neutral state of being regulated and life takes us in and out of regulation all the time and the journey is learning how to come back to regulation so that we are like grounded present and also in our present day experience because when we are feeling all of those experiences those sensations that i just spoke into uh, we're not in the true moment we're in a historical moment we're in the four-year-old or the six-year-old or the eight-year-old who you know ha had a traumatic experience or um got lost in the supermarket or forgot to get picked up from school or you know there's a there's just so many examples of things that we experience as, uh, in our formative years and so when something happens in our adult life our reaction to that isn't the truth of that moment as an adult there can be some truth in it if we're in a moment of danger of course but when it's amplified in the body it's like how old is that part hmm. and and that's the question that I would ask myself and also what I work quite deeply when I work with the women that I work with my clients um oh this thing's coming up in my relationship or this thing's coming up in my business I'll say well, how old is that part hmm. now and it's like Okay, yeah, it's alive now, but that nervous system response, it's like, like you say, it's this notification, like this moment reminds us of the moment when we were five and then insert the, the get out of the situation card, fawn, play dead, get out of here, run as fast as you can. Yeah. Bite, punch, scream your way through it. Yep. Freeze 
be completely still, feel nothing and nobody will see you. And whatever our habitual pattern is in our nervous system, and we may have a complex of all of them, but we generally have more, um, we're more developed in a couple of them than, than others. And we go into that in our present day experience and then believe everything that's just ignited to be true now. Mm. And we just need a moment to differentiate like, oh, I'm feeling this. I know it's not true for this moment, but how old is this part? And that's where we begin to be able to nurture these younger parts of us that are being activated and coming back online in a knowing that they're doing so because they're ready to be seen and to be felt and to be healed. And because they're rising, because ultimately they feel safe to rise. So we are in some sense of safety. Maybe we're in a yoga class or with a healer or a coach or in a safe relationship or partnership, a friendship. And it's like, oh, all this stuff's coming up. It, it comes up when it feels safe to come up, to be seen and witnessed and held. And we can access it you know, through the mind, like, oh, yeah, four-year-old part, okay. Mm. But it, it cannot be transformed in the mind. It has to be transmuted, transformed, alchemized in the body. And that is where like embodied somatic practice and experiencing is... Um, is truly vital because the energetic knot or tension or imprint lives in the body, it lives in the nervous system. So it's about finding practices that then support us to move that through. Um, somatic experiencing, somatic movement, embodied movement daily will begin to allow us to unwind and unravel. And then more deeply, when we're in a moment of trigger, shall we say, or um, an activated memory, mm. um, I really love to bring in like sacred practice around the experience that wasn't had. So um, an example would be that <laughs> I hold a lot of beautiful containers for women to have sacred tantrums because our inner children sometimes need to have a big, massive tantrum because they're not happy or something's going on. And they didn't get to express that fully because maybe we were told to be quiet or it's not a big deal or don't make a force or it's okay, everything's okay. And we didn't let that like charge out when it got impacted, so it stayed. So when we access that point, how old's that point five? what's happened? My sister stole my toy. She keeps on stealing my toy. Okay. What does that part need? Well, she needs to like stomp and scream and shout. And we hold a conscious practice of letting the child part process that energy in the now whilst I'm holding and the adult part of us is witnessing. And it's just so profound because it's like, oh, it just needed space to be seen and to be felt. We only have to look at children. If anyone has children in their lives, you know, a child will like come back fighting and fighting to be heard until mm. it won't be heard. And then it will like form a pattern. If you just turn to a crying child, and like, hey, what's going on? Do you want to tell me? They'll tell you, I don't know, somebody took their sweet and now they're really sad and you get to process it with them. And then it doesn't have to stay with them. And we're kind of reparenting those parts of ourselves um, now. 
Yeah, and we have such an aversion, I think, to it's same in a lot of my containers. There's space to make noise and and go into all of the processes, but noise in particular for women is something time and time again. It's like oh, the voice is open. They're trying to push the mouth is open. They're trying to push something through, but it, they, they will say, "I can't make a noise. I can't shout. I can't scream. I can't raise my voice." Or yeah, and then the, it just it's so interesting to me because there's obviously been something within them where they've heard, as we all have heard so many times, sit down, be quiet, or well done, you're being such a good, quiet little girl, you know? And and there's something that happens then time and time again. We're being told to be quiet in the classroom. We're being told to be quiet in the car. We're being told to be quiet at home. You know, parents are watching television. And I think it's a really interesting process to watch that and also to watch I think for me it starts even just in the awareness of how uncomfortable it feels even to think about making a noise start there you know and and let it become messy um let it become angry and I think maybe we could speak to how we go about doing that because there's obviously an appropriate and also an inappropriate way of going into that space we don't just want to you know like emotionally vomit our anger all over our partner at like a given it's not like a permission slip to kind of I think step over boundaries so obviously if you're working with a therapist or somatic therapist or a coach or something like that there will be a space to explore that but for someone who knows that there's maybe some pent-up emotion or is feeling there's some pent-up emotion or pent-up anger or they're they're listening to this and they're going god I heard that my whole life not to not to cry not to make noise not to tantrum to sit down to be quiet to be good like you know all of these things that we've all heard at different points how can we start doing that what what's the container that we can make for ourselves to make sure that that's happening in a kind of safe grounded appropriate space yeah I mean, my first invitation would be that if anybody feels that the energy of that expression is too big, that uh, seeking support is yeah. essential. Yeah. Um, we all need to be held and we all need to be supported. It's vital. So find whatever aligns for you, a coach, a therapist, a counsellor, um, an embodiment specialist, you know, go to certain types of classes or, you know, deep, uh, deep dives into one-to-one -one work and containers. Because a lot of the time we don't let it out because we feel like, oh, this might never stop or it might consume me or I might hurt someone or I might hurt myself or this grief is too big. Um, and so it gets held in. So bringing it to a sacred held space where you can be held and witnessed is, um, yeah, it's an essential part. And I would also just lean into if that's like, oh, no, I don't need that. Mm. What the resistance is to being seen and held and witnessed, because probably that young part has never been held or seen or witnessed in their emotions. So there's a terror of actually allowing that to happen, probably a deep desire for it, but an equal amount of fright, frightened terror about it be happening. But saying that there's like, you know, not so big a charge and we want to bring it into our own practice. I would go with like shaking, stomping, punching the air, um, letting yourself cry, you know, lying on the floor and having a sob, letting grief out, um, whatever the emotion is, just bring yourself into a space, your home space, you know. Hopefully everyone feels safe at home, but if, if that isn't a safe space, find somewhere else that you can have that practice. 
maybe you go out in nature where no one's around and just have a massive scream and then you're like oh okay and then after you've let the energy out it's important to ground and regulate yourself so some breath work to regulate the nervous system going and being in nature maybe hugging a tree uh, finding a safe space somebody that you feel supported by to just be able to like come back into regulation after we've expelled that charge of energy yeah mm, amazing yeah this like conversation around the nervous system is is so interesting because I feel you know back at school or um I've you know started studied biomedicine and things like this the nervous system is spoken about very kind of physiologically it's the hormones it's the stress response it's what we can you know feel in our hands and in our body and things like that but what this conversation now is is talking about the nervous system and I think working with our nervous system to harmonize it to regulate it but also kind of empower it and potentiate it it feels like the nervous system conversation to me and I know it's something you speak about a lot and we're speaking about now if we can find a way to really get on board with it and kind of get in the same boat as it and work alongside our nervous system it feels like that's the groundwork that's like the the base zero from which we can grow and I know we're kind of also thinking well in your work as well at the moment it's it's building women's businesses and, and things like this as well I'd love to tap into that a little bit more and speak about how we can or what your, I guess, what your perception of the nervous system is. And when we're talking about the nervous system in the way that we are, like, what do we mean? What do you mean? And how can we, or what is the power of tapping into the nervous system in order to empower us and empower our lives? Mm. Well, you know, when we are able to tap into these ancient, old, habitual, conceived, adopted imprints that live in us, because not everything actually starts with us, you know, as we know, a lot yeah. of things are carried through our family system. And we just in our formative pre-verbal years, experienced or seen something and taking it on as true for us. And it lives in our being, it's an energetic imprint in us. And these can all be things that we have adopted or taken on to be safe, but they can also inhibit us because we then don't want to step out of that realm of, of or that boundary of what we have um, written down as safe so when we begin to unravel that and and integrate those parts of ourselves we have a more uh, solid and grounded nervous system we're more regulated we're more available for mm. life and mm. whatever that is in life we become more available for connection for love for intimacy for creativity for expression for pleasure uh, wealth, money, and um, expansion. Um, yeah, you know, it's super interesting working with women in their business because you know they always arrive. Maybe not always, but they arrive thinking, "Yeah, we're going to be working on mm. this business." And I'm like, "The business is you. Mm. We are working on you, and your business will scale from that." Because if your nervous system is like, "It is not safe to be seen." I need to hide at all costs for my, it, it, my life depends on it. Yeah. How on earth do we believe that we are going to be able to scale our visibility and show ourselves to the world 
in a regulated way that feels safe, that doesn't mimic some kind of like massive boomerang of a moment of expansion and then a huge contraction afterwards because we've gone into, that was traumatic. Actually sharing a post on social media was so traumatic for me that I need to go hide for six weeks, Mm. delete the Instagram app and pretend that it never happened and just disassociate from it rather than working with like, oh, the invisible child. Mm. Okay, let's work with her, the child that was like never seen because there was a sibling in the family that needed more care or your parents were really busy or distracted. And so, of course, there's a deep yearning to be seen. The deepest yearning lives in the deepest pain. But it's like, you know, for like to yearning to be seen, but the deepest fear of like when I'm seen, oh, I don't have a blueprint for this because it's never, ever happened. So now it's happening. Oh, what's going on? Don't like this. Ah, oh, I want it. I don't want it. And then this like nervous system just goes into like, yeah. And then we find our autopilot of the fight, flight, freeze, fawn. Where do I need to go to feel safe? And then we end up going into this like, yeah, like this boomeranging or this like ping ponging of extreme polarities rather than like what I would call a somatic sustainable scaling of ourselves. And yeah, we scale our business in a somatic and sustainable way, but it's like this much visibility. Let me hold that shape for a while, drinking in 10%. Oh, now that now feels safe. 0% used to feel safe. Now 10% feels safe. Let's move up to 20%. Oh, this is uncomfortable, but I've done this once before. I've scaled Mm -hmm. 10%. So I'll just stand here and yeah, I've got 10 more followers on Instagram. Wow, right, okay. 10 more people are watching me, witnessing me. A little bit more money's come in. Just going to hold this, going to hold this. We recalibrate, we integrate that 30%, Mm. 40% and so on. But when we try to go from like zero to 100, we just bounce back and probably cause ourselves more pain and trauma and re-traumatize all of those parts but we gently open the body you know and it's super interesting because in this like fast-paced culture of instant gratification not many people want to hear that from a coach they're like you tell me how I can make 10 20 50 100 grand a month please and I want to do it now Mm. and like is your nervous system ready to hold that amount of energy Is your nervous system ready to hold that amount of wealth in a regulated state? Are you ready to hold that amount of clients in your field and in your world that come into your space if you're claiming that amount of money? Um, Are are you ready to be with that amount of visibility? Can you share your voice far and wide? And it's like, oh, no, I didn't think about all that. I just wanted that. And it's like, well, we got to do the other things. And then the... The expansion is a byproduct because you live from and embody from a completely different place within yourself, not the child or the part that's like, no, I don't want to be seen. So like it is safe for me to be seen in the world and I am here to share my wisdom. I think it's really that embodiment and lived experience of everything is an energetic extension of me. Mm. you know it starts with us and then there's this like ripple outwards and actually there was um well I think also for people to take away there which you can just think on is 
our deepest yearning is in our deepest fear and po possibly with that our deepest trauma known or unknown you know capital t or little t it doesn't matter but i think that's that's you know something really potent if anyone was going to take anything away from this conversation like go and look there you're going to find some gems yeah. um but it was actually from the other day when we we were having a chat and we were having breakfast and you were saying about and it's it's all in in this where um how we relate and we were speaking about like intimate sexual romantic relationships but also actually as I say that I'm thinking it's how we relate to anything our relationship with anything in the world our relationship with self with our parents with our children with our friends but I think where we start to look at and the topic we've kind of segued into now is money and wealth building and with that you know business building and all of those sorts of things as well but I'd love you to kind of speak to the similarities or the synchronicities between how we relate to partners in an intimate space and the reflection of that around money and building a business and, and wealth building. Because it feels like there's some close ties with them both, right? Yeah, I mean everything is so deeply connected because if we are part of the experience, then the experience is connected through our own being, right? So the connection we have to our partners, the connection we have to our business, the connection we have to wealth, to money. Um, we are, you know, the, the, the source of connection in all of those things. Um, so yeah, deeply connected to worth, receiving, um what we kind of are you know it's such an interesting term but like what we're available for as in like what we are able to let ourselves have and that's different right to sitting yeah. here and me saying I don't know I want I want this car or I want 100k or I want this sort of relationship so I can sit here and say that I want that does mm -hmm. that mean that I'm therefore available for it well, not necessarily. Yeah. In the mind, maybe, because in the mind, we can't see any, well, like, well, why wouldn't I? I can yeah. have whatever I want. And that is very true. You can have and create whatever you want. But if that hasn't arrived into your life, like there is a block or a limitation that is living within you around receiving that or allowing yourself to have that all the consequences that might happen when you get it. Sometimes it's not about allowing ourselves to receive, but when we get it, you know, we might have been bullied at school because we got these really great new shoes and we're like, oh, if I get good things, bad things happen. Mm -hmm. So people don't like me. So I won't. And so there's just so much stuff within it. And in relationship and business, it's very interesting as well, because, you know, as women on the planet in like, expanding our capacity to be more, to embody more, to feel more, to hold more wealth, to create more. There can be this deep fear between, I don't know, masculine, feminine energies, but it can also happen in, in same sex and relationships of like, we met at this energetic endpoint, And now I'm, it doesn't even have to be business. I just would like to bring a caveat in there, like on your healing journey. You may meet a friend or a partner, or you might choose a job from a certain energetic point. Then you start to unravel all your stuff, mm -hmm. working with a therapist, a coach, and then your wounds start to shift and integrate. And 
we start to expand or, you know, I don't know, I don't really love these terms, but up level or whatever, we, we shift, we change an energetic shape. But the things around us might not shift ever, or they might not have shifted yet. And then it's like, oh, there's now space between me and that. My partner, my friends, my family. I mean, this is why family system work is so intense, right? Because the feeling, if I unravel myself from this system, I am taking myself out of my tribe and I, oh, I might not survive there. I mean, that equals death in our primal body. So a lot of the time we can begin to unravel the patterns and then we're so terrified of the potential of what the new might be that we're like, <gasps> better go back straight back into there. And we just drop straight back into the old patterning because it's like the fear of death. And that's in the visceral and somatic, isn't yeah. it? Because again, yeah. in our mind, the world that we live in now, if we have an argument with our family, it will not equal death. No. But if we go back years and years to our ancestors, I don't know, living on the plains or in the caves or wherever they were, if they broke away from that tribal unit, their family, they would have been outcast and at a huge risk of death. So that's where the work has to come to the deep kind of visceral, again, nervous system, yeah. the cells and the tissues to repattern. I'm safe. Yeah, yeah. And it happens a lot with wealth, right? With money. Mm. We do some manifestation work. We work on our, our self-worth or our receiving and we bring in a level of abundance. And if we are not able to hold that level or we in somehow fear, this is an interesting, something that came up with one of my clients actually, like if I receive that, what will I lose? So there was this instant idea that something would be lost from receiving that. And it was like freedom or time. Oh, I have to work really hard to earn that amount of money or I'll be bound to my job or I might lose my partner. They might, they might not want, you know, be able to be around me or, or, or I might disconnect from my family. And, um, oh, so we either receive the money in, we've earned it somehow, um, a new client or whatever through our work or our creations. And then we, it's like, you know, oh, burned a hole in your pocket. You have to get rid of it as quick as possible because it's like, oh gosh, this came in and now everything's going to change. I need to get rid of it. Or we block it from ever coming in. We're like, I really want it, really want it, really want it. But we kind of got all these stories and beliefs around what will happen if we get it. And that could be because of our parenting, because of school, because of religion, because of television and um, culture, you know, society. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, as a child, it wouldn't have necessarily been money, but it would have been some kind of wealth of attention or love or um, energetics that would have been there. Mm. So I know we're kind of talking around around money and relationships, but this feels like we can translate this conversation to anything that you want to build into your life, anything that you desire to create, right? Yeah, absolutely. All of the subjects, if we will, are, yeah. are just, they're just that, they're just subjects. The energy underneath it is, um, yeah, it's very similar and it is that relationship to self and our own unique patterns and wounds and experiences and the stories and beliefs and narratives that we have written about ourselves, about life and about other people from them, right? 
and we experience the world through them. And my gosh, the world wants to prove them right. Always. It's like we all, our mind will look for all of the experiences that tell us mm -hmm, your story's right. You can't mm. trust people. People and again, that's a protection thing, right? Yes. Which doesn't make sense when we say it like this, because it's like, well, why again, like, and I completely agree with you on the ego, but the ego is going like, see, 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 like pull back, be safe, go home. Yeah. And it kind of doesn't feel like a safety mechanism, especially when in the body, it feels like fear or like pain or like discomfort or, or whatever it might be. But it is a, an actual protection mechanism, right? But is that where the re-regulation needs to come in to actually rewire that system and say, I hear you're trying to protect me, but like, this is where I desire to be. And so rerouting that like nervous system response. Yeah, yeah. And one of the strongest, most powerful statements for me is that, oh, I don't feel safe. And then I recognize like, okay, I may not feel safe, but I am safe. Yeah. And obviously there's a little piece here, as long as you are truly safe. If you are in a present day moment experience that is dangerous, please leave, please get support, please get help. But if we can recognize this, like, I don't feel safe, I'm not safe, but we can take a moment to just look around and we are safe, just, taking that moment to split those two apart mm. I may not feel safe but I am safe so already we can like oh okay we can bring some curiosity into that so what part of me doesn't feel safe just like when is an amazing statement as well I don't feel safe just like when I got lost in the supermarket and I couldn't find my mum and dad for ages I thought I was gonna be on my own forever probably die yeah and then we're like I am safe now even though I'm lost and I can't find my car or where I parked it in the car park. But, okay, little part, what do you need? Or like, you know, the, the, the ego part. But I would say like, we are a lot able to be a lot more tender with like when we recognize these parts as little versions of ourselves. Yeah. Like, oh, little Rebecca, what do you need right now to feel safe? And like, oh, okay, we're good. A few deep breaths, little hug, little shake of the body. And that helps us to repattern, reroute, and uh, regulate. It's so interesting you said split it apart because just as you said that I had this image of my mind of what I do, which is literally a splitting apart so that I can be present for the experience, be in the child who's feeling scared or not even the, always the child, is it? There's like many different versions of ourselves that come out, which we can speak to. Um, but be fully there in the present moment of the experience of the fear of the embarrassment of the shame of the guilt of whatever it might be that's coming up in that moment and yet also find that other space that can sit there for me it feels just a little bit higher and kind of look down and just go like I'm looking at the bigger picture and you're okay like I'm seeing this for more than just this moment and you're okay and being able to to both be present for the experience and also witness and guide and lead yourself through the experience yeah yeah so um this process for myself like with my therapist that I work with um she calls it differentiation mm -hmm. so we're not separating from as in mm -hmm. like getting rid of or trying to deny but rather differentiate so understanding that there is an adult day me and there's also a little part of me or there's the present me and 
the part of me that's living out some past experience and when we don't want to separate and abandon but rather just differentiate as in like just hold that part like a little bit outside of ourselves and almost looking back on it like see what's going on here yep I witnessed this feeling and I allow myself to feel it but I recognize it's not true of this moment it's true of an old moment that's been activated now so all of these experiences and examples that we're giving, are these all what we might call wounds? And this, like we hear about the mother wound and the father wound and the sister wound. Would you say like these are all examples of, of various different wounds that we, we pick up along the way? Yeah, they are memories that are still living in the body that had a painful experience or emotion attached to them in our younger years um, that get reignited uh, throughout our life experiences. Wounds, maybe we could call it that, traumas, experiences. Um, again, a lot of these words could be so loaded and end up like, you know, having such a negative connotation that we don't want to really go there or touch them. Um, yeah, like unprocessed or unheld times where we were in some kind of emotional expression or pain. And, you know, I'm just thinking into now, like it could even be that, you know, we go so deep into like, oh, the grief, the anger, the rage, which are all beautiful um, expressions. Mm -hmm. But it could also be, you know, a trauma could be I came home from school and showed my parents this like a star I got for my homework and nobody celebrated me they were just like right great dinner's ready so then there's a wound around celebrating yourself so it doesn't have to be the wound around feeling the pains and the sorrows but the wound could be and then whenever you feel um you know that particular thing didn't happen in my childhood but I've worked and still work quite deeply on allowing myself to be celebrated. Um, like I can internally celebrate myself very well and acknowledge myself very well. Uh, but there's this slight like feeling that happens in my body when people celebrate me. Um, and that's just from my formative years of like, you know, childhood, my sister was, um, kind of in and out of hospitals. So there was a lot of attention on that. So I've just adopted a belief that I should like ugh, withdraw and, and, and just internally celebrate oneself and not really show it outside. And so there's still now this like little, ooh, and then I'm like, okay, just receive the celebration. It's okay, it's safe. So it's not always necessarily around the pain points that we, we label on certain emotions. But it can be about things of expansion as well. Yeah, I think I think that's a really valid point, especially a lot of women that I work with, especially when we start to tap into hormones and hormonal, hormonal irregularity and infertility. And then we kind of get onto the topic of pleasure because that's all in that sort of second chakra space. And then actually how it can feel so uncomfortable to feel good and it can feel so uncomfortable for for things to be going well sometimes our natural states especially if we've maybe had a chaotic childhood or a turbulent childhood or there's been a lot of aggression or anger or busyness that feels then like our natural state and possibly even though it might feel so uncomfortable a place that actually feels comfortable because it's been home for however many years we've lived in that space so then when you know, 
places are now calm. There's no arguments in a relationship. We can, you know, things start to go well, results start to come in, we receive money or or the thing that we dreamed starts to happen. Then we can almost find ourselves rejecting that. I know this, like I've seen it a lot, this conversation around um, like there's no drama in a relationship. And so it's boring. And it's like, is it boring or is it peaceful? You know? And so again, just this re repatterning. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is the, you know, whatever our system or patterning was in childhood, it Mm. becomes our normal. Mm. And then to repattern that as an adult is to kind of lean into maybe the opposite or something that feels we might desire it. You know, I really would love a calm and peaceful life. But if our home was that of chaos or abuse or trauma, we are naturally activated and we gravitate towards that which mirrors our family system because the system wants to stay alive and if we somehow find ourselves making some miracle choice to outside of that it can be very deep work to stay in that that newness of oh everything's calm here we don't have any arguments everything's peaceful oh business is really good and mm, and then it's like we possibly sabotage things we make pick actions, we do things, we say things um, that, you know, sabotage the experience that we're having to go back to the patterning that then we can moan about and we can be dissatisfied with, but we can also feel a deeper level of safety or, you know, familiar as in the family, in the familiar, mm. familiar familiarity of the family system. I think it's really interesting because it's actually quite this conversation, not by um, meaning to, but it's really closely resembling where I am at the moment, Mm. which is, I think, an also really interesting thing to bring to the table because my experience at the moment is things I have asked for, things which also mean great expansion, more responsibility, more visibility, all of these things that I've asked for coming through. And what I want to just remind people of, and I'm sure you will mirror it as well, is that the sense and the work, if you want to call it the work, it doesn't go away. There's, But what changes is the awareness and the noticing and the becoming like a ninja for the work. Like you catch it so much quicker. I always like sort of visualize this like karate chopping, like seeing those those old thoughts and old patternings coming in of like, oh, 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 like wanting to back away or wanting to hide away, wanting to actually know like it's too big, it's too big. And I think what changes is not the fear suddenly miraculously goes, the, the old triggers, they change. Sometimes some of them go, but sometimes some of them will be there forever. But what changes is our ability to sit with it, to alchemize it, to transform it and transmute it. And I think that's a really important conversation that I'm not seeing that often Mm. where we see and, you know, people, women doing amazing things in the world, which I love to see. But there is often this sense of they've just made these changes overnight. They just snapped their fingers and woke up one day and they've done X, Y and Z. And I'm here for all of it. 
But I think what we're not seeing so much is the kind of the messiness and the rawness and the vulnerability of how it really truly feels to be in that washing machine moment when you are going through a process of expansion, transformation, again, like up leveling, if you want to, whatever word resonates, that it gets gritty. And you have to like, at the moment, I feel like I'm on my elbows doing like an army crawl through like mud and barbed wire. That's where I'm at. And it's like the end is so, you know, that that next moment of peace is in sight. But like, let's speak to that, this kind of moment of grit and integrating all of these parts. And I'd love to hear your experience and if that resonates. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it does it does smooth out yeah. throughout time, but you know. I mean, for me, I was, I was in that deep, deep death and birth cycle for many, many years as I was really integrating some very deep wounds and traumas. Um, and it was like the contraction would come, the end of a cycle would come, the end of a story would come, the belief would be like, you know, oh, that can't be true anymore because that thing happened, so that would have to let that die. And that's what it feels like. It feels like something's dying. And it is, you know, as, as dramatic or as, un, as profound as that sounds, it's like some part of you, a, a story, a belief that you've carried is dissolving, it's dying, it's reforming, um, and you bring in something new in. Um, so it's all happening simultaneously. It's like the death and the birth and the cycle of creation or recreation. And then what I really like to just bring some energy into is it's then from that point, the choices, the aligned actions that we make, yeah. because if we don't get really intentional at that point, we will fall back into habitual patterning because the brain is incredible, but it's also quite lazy and it will yeah. just find the most carved out pathway. And it takes a lot of energy to reform pathways in the brain. Like, you know, as a child, we're just like, pew, 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 before, like making all these neural pathways and this plasticity is forming. And as an adult, it's like, I just worked on something and I need to sleep actually for a couple of days because like my brain is literally finding a new pathway. And then the awareness comes and every time we have that, we're at that fork in the road and we recognize the pattern and it's like, am I choosing that or am I going to choose something new? We have to make, we have to consciously make that new choice many, many times before that becomes the new habit. Mm, so be patient. I remember mm. um, having this conversation with a client and then straight after I'd gone walking and the grass was really high and there was one path down the middle, which was clearly defined because many people had walked down that path. And for me, it was the perfect visual representation. I remember taking a photo and sending it to her and being like, this is what's happening right now. You know, we've got the path down the middle that is going to the place that you've always gone, the place that everyone else is going to, the path that, you know, all the fish are swimming down. So it's very clearly marked in front of us. It's the right path, you know, how we perceive it. And then all around is this like long grass and tiny little mounds, like twist your ankle on them. And it was like the perfect visual representation for this process. And I think, yeah, the lesson from that is, is to, to just 
be really mindful and, and patient and and slow if you need to be slow but for me this is where working with somebody or having you know like-minded friends who can really meet you and help you in this space is important because it is tough if you're doing it by yourself like poof, it will feel like you're on Mars like it will feel like you're on Mars and there is no one else around so yeah yeah I think yeah. find that support in any way possible um yeah it's just vital it is and that other person gives you an opportunity to see and feel things that you may not have been able to access and you know that moment of you sending that picture to your client will have just reaffirmed so much and supported her so deeply and it's like oh yeah I get the choice and we might not get that if we're just trying to go through it alone and of course there's such a deep wound in like I can do all this by myself oh yeah we've been there (laughs) haven't we (laughs) we've been there not anymore no like who else can support me right now can I bring in the tribe (laughs) but it's also getting really curious with all of these things and and finding the right person to work with you and doing it at the right time of course but also getting really curious with the conversations around it like I can do it by myself Okay. Do you want to do it by yourself? Does it feel fun to do it by yourself? Does it feel supportive to do it by yourself? And how do you want to live your life? If you want your life to be fun and supportive and, you know, then you're in, even in that decision, you're going in the other direction or, you know, getting really curious again, this, this money conversation for me is such an interesting conversation because it's such a universally globally triggering conversation I feel in very many different ways um but yeah I think get very curious as to you know where you're looking for support what is currently supporting you or not supporting you how you can bring in more support if that's something you want but for me the journey of working with a therapist or a coach or even just opening these conversations with friends and peers as we do it opens and unlocks so much more than we can do by ourselves because either something is reflected in someone else or mirrored to us in someone else, or they have a different opinion or experience, which, which can really shed light within us. And even in the space of, of triggers within that space, you know, as you said to me last week, when I was in like a deep trigger, it's like, well, there's an opportunity here for everyone to grow if you can lean into it. And it's this return to that primal sense of connection and all we want deep down is reciprocal love and reciprocal togetherness and reciprocal you know connection and yet every bone in our body often takes us in the other direction which is bizarre but true (laughs) yeah 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 I mean because ultimately deep down throughout all the stories we've probably labeled that love is not safe or connection is not safe so why would we lean into something that you know uh, our stories tell us that is not safe so it's rewiring that that deepest essence of that um and always when these moments arrive there is an invitation and an opportunity to grow and if we can look at it through that lens and be curious um that's where like the alchemy and the potency and the magic if we will can begin Mm. to arrive the transformation lives in being curious and open enough to say what could I possibly learn about myself in this what is being shown to me Mm. yeah always the question what is the lesson um Rebecca thank you so much for your time for your energy for the work you do in the world it is so appreciated um 
maybe you could just share where people can find you and work that you've got coming up if they feel yeah. called to investigate that with you. So you can find me on Instagram at Rebecca underscore Wilson underscore. And yeah, I have a container beginning the 20th of June um, over the summer solstice and that's a wealth alchemy activation. So three weeks embodying the codes and the frequency of wealth. Um, I have an embodied business mentorship group starting in September, which will be a five week deep dive into all of that. Um, a couple of retreats in the UK throughout the summer and the autumn and one-to-one -one containers available. So yeah, reach out, connect, find me on Instagram if anything resonated with you. And um, yeah, if you are ready for a journey, I uh, welcome you in. <laughs> We're ready. It's a journey. All right. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> thank you so very, very much. Oh, thank and you. My love. I love you. You'll so have to come much. back soon. Yeah. I love you too. From the bottom of my heart. Mm. <laughs>